0: Chapter uh, 31. But I just want to say one more time. Folks, no matter how bad things may get in the world, in this nation, in your neighborhood, the future is not bleak because our
1: future is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jesus. The future is not bleak,
0: folks. Our future is Jesus Christ. So, well, I'm sick in my body. Your future is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And the Holy Ghost inside of you is your healer. Not broke as a joke. Your future is Jesus Christ.
1: Yes. Amen. The Lord,
0: that is the owner of a thousand cattle on a thousand hills, lives in your heart. The Lord, who shall provide all of your need according to his riches. Not your riches, his riches. That's right. lives inside of you. Jehovah Jireh lives inside of you, Jehovah Rapha lives inside of you. I just feel like I can't do anything right. Jehovah Tzitkanu, your righteousness lives inside of you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hang on to that hope, folks. Hang on to that hope. Amen. Don't let the devil lie you out of victory.
1: Right, Jesus. Amen. Don't let the devil
0: deceive you out of victory. Praise you, Jesus. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, for
1: the next while, for the next
0: hour, Lord God, we ask that you would just sharpen our focus, Jesus. open up our hearts, minds, ears, and spirits to receive the engrafted word. Jesus. We thank you for it, O
1: God. We thank you for it. We're going to talk a
0: little bit about uh, Jacob tonight. Jacob and his, his struggle with Laban, his father-in-law. It's a wonderful story, really. Um, I would assume a lot of you know this story. Some of you may be a little less familiar with it. But uh, I like telling the stories of the Old Testament. So indulge me tonight, all right? Amen. 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 Jacob, son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, who left early Chaldees at the behest of the Lord, the command of the Lord, to move into a place that he was never going to have a permanent dwelling. He was going to live in a tent for the rest of his life. Uh, We know that Abraham came out of Haran at the age of 75. We also know that he died at the age of 175. Mm. That means for 100 years, Abraham, who was Abram, changed to Abraham, he lived in tents for 100 years. Mm. The book of Hebrews says he looked for a city. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Whose builder and maker was God. Right? He came just in time. Amen.
1: <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. Amen. 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 He's looking for a different kind of city. We're going to live
0: in that city one day,
1: folks. Yes. Thank
0: you, Jesus. All right. So somebody just make pat me on the back. And make <laughs> me feel just a little bigger. We're going to live in that city one day, folks. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. He wrote, <coughs> raised up his son in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, His son had problems, just like Abraham had problems. Isaac raised two of his sons in the Lord. One of them didn't, didn't serve God as far as we know, ever as far as we know. The other one had some big problems, but he did have a heart after God. He ran into some trouble with his brother, and he had to get out of town. And on his way out of town, he went to a place... He used to be called Luz, but he renamed Bethel because he met with God. He had a very peculiar experience with God. And uh, some of you know what I'm talking about, some of you don't. Uh, let me encourage you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look up Jacob's experience at Bethel. It's an awesome story. And that, that's not the only encounter he had with God. He, uh, he went and he found a wife. Or he found a girl he wanted to marry, I should say. And uh, he worked for her uh, father for seven years to get her. And uh, her father, Rachel's father, Laban, uh, deceived him. And he gave him Leah first. And he said, Well, I'll give you my other daughter for another seven years of work. So he got two wives uh, for 14 years of hard labor. He worked 14 years, and his pay was two wives. Uh, he ended up having technically four wives because he had children by four women, but these were his main two wives, and of course, and we won't get into all that tonight, it's not really important to the story, but Rachel was his favorite, but Leah was the one that produced half of his children. More than half, really, if you mm-hmm. include Nina with that. So but as far as his sons go, she produced Leah produced half of his sons, and the other three each had two. So he worked hard for this guy. And then after he fulfilled all those years, uh, Laban, who was a, a little bit of a shyster, I think, um, kind of kept changing his wages and all kinds of stuff. But it got to the point where it was just too hard to continue. It was just, you know, it, it wasn't, but it wasn't just the situation. It was really about what the Lord wanted. Mm-hmm. See, sometimes we get into a situation and and we just go ahead and decide for God, oh, God couldn't want this. He couldn't want this this level for my life. And the Lord says, just stick with it. Just stick with it. Just stick with it. But then, there's other times the Lord will come along and say, I don't want you in that anymore. Um, I was going to start at verse 17 of Genesis 31, but I want, to, I want to go back just a little bit. And uh, I want to look at verse 11. He's talking to his wives. Jacob is talking specifically to Leah and Rachel. And he says to them in verse 11, And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes, and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring-trade, speckled, and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. I am the God of Bethel. I am the God that you met at the house of God. And by the way, I'm just going to take my time here tonight. Okay? Where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me, now arise, get thee out from this land, and return into the land of thy kindred so what we're seeing here is if we would just started at verse 17, it looked like Jacob just was sick of everything he was going through. And so for that reason, he decided it's time to leave, and it's time to leave in a sneaky way, and it's time to leave underhandedly and all this. And you'd see, yeah, there's old Jacob again, just doing all the kind of stuff. Jacob does. He slunk out of town when he uh, deceived his brother and his father. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's slinking out of town again after he robbed his father-in-law of all his wealth. So it might have been hard for Jacob, but Jacob came up with a system uh, where he pretty much took all the Laban's
1: cattle.
0: <laughs> uh, they made deal after deal after deal. And I, I don't know what it was about the, 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 the limbs with the, the strip taken out of them. I don't know how that makes cattle different colors. I have no idea. I, there's no... There's nothing that the Bible explains. There's nothing in the agriculture that explains that. If anybody knows anything about that, please come to see me after church. I'd love to find out about it, okay? But I had no idea what all that was about. But somehow Jacob knew. And maybe it was just God told him to do it and God blessed him. If, if, if there was absolutely no natural reason for that to happen, then it just had to be God, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's fine with me. <clears throat> Is that fine with you guys? Mm-hmm. It's fine with me. Alright, but either way, Jacob found out how to get all the cattle, all the goods, all the strong ones. Yeah. And after a while, Laban was just like, uh, that guy, you know, and uh, his sons were even getting disgruntled at the beginning of chapter 31. He says, and he heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban. Behold, it was not toward him as before. Jacob, uh, Laban, was mad. And so he's like, it's time to skip town. But you know what? That's not really what was going on there. The Lord visited him in a dream. And said, it's time to leave. Now the way Jacob did it might have been, I don't know. I don't don't think it was right. But it's kind of in his nature to do it. I mean, even when God tells us to do things and we obey it, we tend to do it our own way. Right. And I think most of our life is learning how to do it God's way. Mm-hmm. There's obedience yeah. and then there's obedience. There's a, there's a permissive will of God. Right. And there's a
1: perfect will
0: yes. of God. Right. There's an acceptable will of God and there's the full will of God. Amen. Amen? And I think what we're learning a lot as we walk through this walk is learning how to go from not doing the will of God to doing the will of God. From doing the permissible will of God to go in and doing the perfect will of God for our life. Exactly the way God wants. But anyway, let's take a look at verse 17. Then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels. And by the way, uh, in that land, in that time and pretty much the way it is today too, if you're a camel owner, you got money. Okay? Camels are not cheap animals. They're not cheap to raise. They're not cheap to keep. Uh, if you got camels, if you got enough camels for your whole extended family, you got some money. Jacob was a rich man by this time, by the way,
1: Ooh.
0: and he carried away all his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting which he had gotten and paid in Paddan Aram, or the land, you know, of Syria, uh, for to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. I'm gonna kind of camp out on this idea about Rachel. Rachel, when he first met Rachel, it's a couple chapters before, I think it's in chapter 29. Uh, this is when Jacob was coming out of the land the first time and he was, he, he came into that place where he knew his family was and he uh, came up on the, the, the land of Haran or the city of Haran, and he saw the well and the flocks of sheep and he's talking to somebody there. They knew Laban. They said, here's, here's his daughter right here. And the funny thing is the first verse that we ever see Rachel mentioned, we also see sheep mentioned. And this is kind of a word play in the Bible. Uh, this happens a lot. If you happen to know what names mean and if you understand a little bit about the Hebrew <clears throat> behind it. Uh, but if you don't, I'll just take the benefit of some of my studies. And Rachel means you. Okay? Not E-W-E. Not like Y-O-U. E-W-E. It means a female sheep, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's what Rachel means. And it says that Rachel came leading a flock of sheep. Mm-hmm. So she's a sheep, and she's actually a shepherdess at the same time, right? So she's both a sheep, a, a, a female sheep, and she's leading a flock. And they're all coming to get water, and Jacob runs up to her and kisses her. That must have been a surprise. Yeah. Who's this strange dude coming up and kissing me? You know, and he gives her all kinds of jewelry and all kinds of stuff, and he immediately goes back to her home after you know she found out. Oh, this is my cousin or whatever he was to her, and and uh, he immediately says, you know what? Uh, this is a pretty cute little girl here, and I think I'd like to marry her. And that's where it all started there, but. It's kind of interesting that from the start <clears throat> you wanted Rachel. From the start he wanted her, and when he worked all those years for her—14 years—to get her. Now he only worked seven years before he actually married. But he had to—he had to contract for another seven years as a married man. And during these years, Rachel was not producing. It was Leah, the one he didn't want, the one he didn't care about. She was producing. It, came, it got so bad that Rachel said, fine, take my handmaiden. And he got a couple of kids from her. And then Leah got, oh, are well, you going to do that? I'm going to do it too. Here, take my handmaid." He got a couple of kids from that woman. And then he had another couple of kids from Leah. And all, all this time, Rachel's just like, what's happened to me? And finally, she, she had Joseph. And uh, as we know from later stories, Joseph was a very special uh, boy to Jacob. He was, he was definitely his daddy's favorite. And it's probably not wise of Jacob to make favorites like that. But anyway, I'm not going to make too much comment on that. It's just it's obvious by the way he treated him and by his brothers treating him, uh, he was Jacob's favorite. But I think it was because the object of his desire all along was Rachel, all along. I want that you, Lamb this is what I want you know I came out here to escape my brother's wrath but I also came out here to find a future and as soon as I get into the land the first day I get into the land I find my future and it didn't play out the way he thought and Rachel being that that lamb is actually the one who stole her father's images This, this is you know uh, again I'm going to take my time here tonight I'm mm-hmm. leading up to something just bear with me uh, and just let me tell the story okay mm-hmm. even the story that probably all of you know or most of you know anyway. <clears throat> it says in verse 19 and Laban went to shear his sheep and it seems like so many times that you see Rachel mentioned you also see the same verse sheep mm-hmm. sheep you know and uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll look at some other verses about sheep here later tonight. I don't know. We'll just let the Lord lead us, okay? And, uh, but here, as Laban goes out to shear the few weak, small sheep that he had left from all of Jacob's gleanings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she sneaks in and she takes her father's teraphy. And uh, what were those? Little idols, as far as we know. Uh, little idols used for div- divination. Um, I, we're not really all the way sure of what all that is. All right? But what, what I think it probably means is probably little wooden or stone statues that they would pray to. And we're going to look at some interesting things that, at least interesting to me, and I think maybe some of you will find it too, but uh, some things that Laban says a little later. Uh, let's continue to read just a little bit in verse 20 um, and Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian and that he told him not that he fled so again Jacob <clears throat> sneaking away God told him to, to do it but he's you know there's there's a right way to do everything and mm-hmm. Jacob probably didn't do it verse 21 so he fled with all that he had and he rose up and passed over the river and set his face towards Mount Gilead. Verse 22, And it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. And he took his brethren with him and pursued after him seven days' journey, and they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night. That's exactly what he did to Jacob. God did the same thing for Laban. Came in a dream by night and said to him, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. In other words, you better watch your tongue, buddy, when you talk to this guy. Because this guy might seem like a little stinker to you, but he's my man. Right? He's the one that's going to carry this lineage all the way down to the salvation of the world. Now, God didn't tell Laban that. He says, you, you make sure you watch. Verse 25, Then Laban, Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mount of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What hast thou done that thou hast stolen away unawares? Now this is another word play. You'll notice that you'll hear, at least in the English, but this is this is mirrored, of course, out of the Hebrew. You'll, you'll, use, you'll see that, Old English style or older English style of stolen away. I mean, he see we see that earlier, right? We see that Jacob stole away in verse 20, right? He stole. Well, this this was this was Jacob's thing. Jacob was a thief. He was a surplanter. That's what his name meant. He was someone who did underhanded things. He grabbed the heel of his brother. He surplanted. That's what uh, basically what that means is he 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 underhandedly, out of sight, was grabbing for stuff that, that no one's really noticing. It was like sleight of hand. It's like pick, a modern-day pickpocket, right? Mm-hmm. That's what a surplanter is. It's not exactly the same, but it's someone who who steals undercover. No. Now most thieves do that anyway, so right. basically he's a thief. He's not a robber, because a robber. Pulls out a gun and says, stick them up, right? Mm-hmm. A robber's right in your face. Yeah, Give me your money. Well, uh, uh, a surplanter doesn't do it like that. They steal, and a lot of times you don't even know. Laban didn't know. Three days later, he found out. He stole away. Mm-hmm. And now, Laban is saying, "Is yes, Thou hast stolen away, unawares to me, and carried away my daughters. As captives taken with the sword. He's... King James puts a question mark there. Anyway, verse 27. Wherefore didst thou flee away, see uh, secretly, and steal away from me, and didst not tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with songs and with tabern and with heart, and hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters? You see what he's saying here? He said my sons and my daughters. Well, what sons is he talking about? All of Jacob's sons. So they're mine. You know, he had no, since it was, you know, it was uh, Rachel and Leah's dad, he had no real authority over Jacob's children, and yet... Because they were his offspring through his daughters. He said, you took my grandbabies away from me. You didn't even let me say goodbye. Now I think most of us today, we know the story. We know Laban's the bad guy. We know Jacob's the good guy. But if you didn't know the story, we would probably all think this guy's a real scumbag. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now now think about that. I mean, uh, pretend for a minute that you didn't know Jacob was the good guy of the story. And pretend that you didn't know that Laban was the bad guy in this story, and you only read this portion of the story. It looks like Jacob is just a jerk. He snuck out in the middle of the night. He, you know, he's been living there for, you know, it's 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 kind of hard to determine exactly how long he lived there. Some people think it was 14 years plus 10. Some people think, well, no, it's 14 years uh, plus six uh you know so about 20 years anyway however long 20 24 years he was with them for years and laban got to see each and every one of his grandsons born maybe uh, maybe even dinah i'm not sure exactly when she was born but anyway he he saw his 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 grandsons being born one after another he he had a slew of grandsons and all of a sudden one day someone says hey by the way jacob your two daughters and all your grandkids and all their cattle are all just gone without a trace
1: Mm. well
0: also without a trace that you were to find them but they're just gone they're three days away already Mm. it took him seven days to catch up to them because they're still traveling and he had to travel try to catch up Mm -hmm. so he's rebuking jacob pretty good why'd you flee away i would have I would have done all kinds of stuff. Why hast not allowed me or suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters? Thou hast now done foolishly in so doing. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt. And I want you to hear this for a second. I want you to hear this. Verse twenty nine. We're gonna camp out on some of these ideas? This is another one. when I want to camp out just a little bit. Verse twenty nine says, "It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt." But the God of your father spake to me yesternight, saying, "Take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob either good or bad." Now, now, I we're not exactly sure the full dynamic of what even Abraham's belief system was. And I know a lot of you think they are going to. Say, start wanting to throw rocks at me He's like, oh, no Abraham was a one believer he might not have been folks we don't really know did Abraham believe that the one true God was the God above all gods yes, okay. yes. yes. but it is at least possible Now, I tend to believe that Abraham didn't believe in false gods. Everybody with me? Mm
1: -hmm. Does that make anybody feel a little bit better about your pastor and his theology?
0: Okay. I personally think that Abraham probably didn't believe in other gods, but because he had such a fantastic revelation and experience with the one true God, there was no more room for any other god. And I I think that over the years, Abraham, if he didn't know it at first, and he probably didn't because the word lets us know by Joshua that Abraham used to serve false gods beyond the flood. Now, we're not talking about Noah's flood here. We're talking about beyond the river Euphrates. Everybody with me? Over on the other side of the river, we know that Abraham came from idolatry, which gives us the clue Abraham did serve other gods. Everybody's cool so far. Mm -hmm. Now, because we don't just know everything with one experience with God. How many remembers the night you got filled with the Holy Ghost? Mm -hmm. Uh, How many remembers that when you got the Holy Ghost, you knew every scripture and every spiritual concept and every every doctrine? No, of course you didn't. No, we still don't. Mm -hmm. None of us do. Mm -hmm. We're still learning. We're still learning about God. Right? Yes. Yes. So we can't expect it to be different for Abraham. So at first, when he had his first experience with God, we've got to assume that there's a lot of things he didn't know about God. But he walked with God now for a long time. And we do know by the, just adding up the math, we do know that by this time Abraham is dead. Abraham walked with God for actually more than 100 years because he camped out in Herod for 25. So you figure he had an experience with the one true God for 125 years of his life. In 125 years, there's a few things that God can teach you, especially if God will camp out at your tent and sit down and have a meal with you and just talk with you about stuff. Now that's pretty cool. James chapter 2 verse 23 calls Abraham a friend of God. Kind of like Moses who talked with God face to face, not in dark sayings or, you know, deep hidden meanings, right? These were men that could talk to Jesus, uh, talk to the living God, the almighty God. But it's possible that even the true believers of this day may not have had a full understanding. They, a lot of people call them monotheists. They might not have been monotheists. They might have been monaltriists, if that's the right way to say it. I don't know. Uh, You ever heard of idolatry? That's the worship of idols. Uh, Monaltry is the worship of one. They might have been worshipers of one God, but at the same time, they might have felt that there were other gods. Uh, This really doesn't matter. Uh, for, for our salvation because we know there's only one God. There's also an enemy that makes himself a God of this world, a prince of the power of the air, right? Even even, even the, the, gospel, uh, the the New Testament writers call him the God of this world, right? Okay, and uh, he makes himself a God. He's an angel of light, right, that can come to us as an angel of light. Now, he's not God. We know that. But he presents himself as God. Question?
1: And then
0: we had to learn. Yeah, well, that's, that's my point. I mean, every one of us has things that we are aware of now that we weren't ten years ago. And that's the way it should be. Right. We should always be learning new and new things. Yes, absolutely. That's a good example. I mean, there's things that people don't know. You think you're doing it right. You don't, you don't think it's wrong. This is, this is good and holy and righteous. Then the Lord comes along and says, you know what, I'm not actually in this. You know, often I remember, I I think about this, when the Holy Ghost poured out uh, upon some believers in in a little homeschool in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, People were praying and fasting and wanting to know the evidence of God's infilling. And I know a lot of you know this story. Uh, But this was in 1900, late 1900. People had gotten together. Uh, One man... Uh, a righteous man, a godly man, had his problems, of course, like we all do. But he gathered a bunch of people together to find out uh, what, what is the progression. I mean, what, what power of God can we find, right? And they got together, and their whole purpose was to find the power of God, to find the evidence of God's saving work in our life. And they fasted and prayed, every one of them, for three days. They all came back with the same report. The evidence of the infilling of the Spirit is speaking in other tongues. So on New Year's Eve, 1900 into 1901, one of the ladies there in that group said, asked a few of the brother to lay their hands on her that she might receive this gift. And she received the gift of the Holy Ghost and it started pouring out on each and every one of them. The power of God blasted into that place. And they they even report, the reports that we've heard all these years is they even saw those tongues of fire and things like this. And this just started spreading out over the countryside. A man from Houston, Texas took this message and ran to L.A. and and started the Azusa Street mission. And uh, he didn't even have the Holy Ghost yet. He gets it. And and out of Azusa Street, this blew up all over the world. As you know, from 1901, the very first day of 1901, till sometime later, at least eight or nine years later, nobody knew to baptize in Jesus' name. Nobody knew the revelation of the oneness of God. Nobody knew. Now, am I saying that those doctrines aren't important? Oh, the only name that saves us is Jesus. Amen. The only name that washes our sins away is Jesus. Do you know what? According to what uh, Paul says in Acts chapter 17, there are times that God winks at our ignorance, But when we know, he calls us to repentance. Amen. Right? That's what Paul was telling those folks up on Mars Hill. He said, but now it's calling every man to repentance, right? Because you're hearing the truth. And when we know truth, we're required to obey truth. So there's, there, I, I think about even that. These people, way back, I mean, our, if you will, our forefathers in, the, in a spirit-filled movement that is, is still going on today in this nation, well over 100 years ago, 122 years ago. The early years of that movement, they didn't know about Jesus' name, baptism, or the oneness of God. As far as we know, they, they continue to baptize people in the titles. Believing that God was three persons in the Godhead. Now we can start saying, well, pastor, what, were they really saved? or were they? Well, I thank God that he's the one that has to figure all that stuff out, not me. Yes. All I'm trying to tell you is God did show them. Yes. There was a lot of those folks, those spirit-filled folks... That it came to a head about 1912. It came to a real debate. And a lot of folks said, no, we can't accept this revelation. Well, they didn't call it a revelation, of course. But we can't accept this new doctrine. This is divisive. Let's get rid of this. This isn't true. This is heresy. But there's a lot of folks that held on to it and said, we've received revelation from God. We've heard from God that this is the truth. Everybody with me? -hmm. Amen. There's a lot of people that didn't accept it. But the, there was plenty of people that did and we're still here today preaching this truth. But thank God it's not the only truth we preach. It's one of the most important truths we preach, but it's not the only one. We, we need to keep growing and advancing in God and not to leave the good stuff behind. Right, right. When we say leaving behind us the principles, we're talking about building on top, not doing away with. So that's a side point, but thank you for that. You, you know,
1: Abraham might
0: not have. We don't know. We don't know what kind of revelations he had. But even though he, I think, would have eventually understood these things and passed them down to Isaac, passed them down, and he would have passed them down to his sons, we don't know exactly. But what we do know is Laban certainly believed in other gods. And he prayed to other gods. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And even though I am absolutely certain, I don't know this for sure because the devil could have done something, but even though I'm sure... The mighty God. Never came to him in a dream. Talked to him before. Laban recognized the one true God. And said the God of your father. Visited me and said don't mess with him. Now. In some way Laban had to have understood. I mean let's think about this for a minute. Laban had to have understood. This God that visited me in my dream last night. Is way more powerful than my God. Right? Mm-hmm. But let's, let's keep reading. I'm going to read verse 29 one more time. It is in the power of my hand to do you hurt, but the God of your father spake unto me yesterday night, saying, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Verse 30, And now though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou sore longest after my father's house, yet wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? But first of all, Rachel, I would imagine, again, we're not told any of this, and so a lot of this is conjecture, but I just feel like being the storyteller tonight, okay? Mm Sure. And I think that I have the Spirit. Okay. So, I would imagine that all the years that Jacob's been married to these women, Mm -hmm. that he would have been telling them about the one true God.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, you think about it, before he got out there is when he had his experience with Bethel, right? Mm. At Bethel. And I I just can't imagine that he wouldn't have had his boys gather around him at nights. Maybe around the campfire, whatever they did in those days. And say, you know boys, when I was coming out here to meet your mom, I was uh, sleeping on a rock. And in the middle of the night, heaven opened. And I saw angelic beings coming down out of heaven and going back up and down. And at the top of this portal into heaven, I saw the one true God. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can't imagine a man who had that kind of experience would not pass it down to his wives and children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. It's, I know it's conjecture, and I know you can't say that, definitely, because the Bible doesn't say it, and I'm using a lot of freedom here, mm-hmm. but I feel like I'm being led by the Spirit to do it. If you want to reject it, that's fine, because it is not word. Mm-hmm. But... I just can't imagine that he wouldn't have told Rachel. Mm. So when they're leaving in the middle of the night, what I don't know if it was the middle of the night, but anyway, when they were leaving, what caused her to slip into her father's house and take his gods? Mm. I can't imagine that her father told her any miraculous stories about the heavens opened up and that this little god I prayed to came and gave me all kinds of wealth. She saw her father diminish over the years. uh, She saw the wealth of her father go to her husband Jacob. She just heard her husband Jacob say, And the angel of God spake unto me. All this different stuff. Now, I'm going to skip back a little bit in verse 14. And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us and quite devoured also our money, for all the riches which God hath taken from our Father, that is ours, and our children's. Now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. You see what you see what they're saying? There's 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 a level of understanding here, is what I'm trying to present to you folks. These these girls, they understood. The God, the one true God, has taken my father's wealth and given it to you. So why should we stay? He sold us off. He sold us off for 14 years hard labor. So why, after all that, would she steal her father's gods? And after Laban had an experience with the one true God, would well, he still want his gods back? But that was his next question, wasn't it? Verse 30. Yeah. And now, though thou wouldest need to be gone, because thou sore longest after thy father's house. In other words, hey, I understand you want to get back and see your dad. He, he was old when you left. He was old and blind when you left. And, and he's still living now. Uh, you know, he, and, and yes, Isaac was still living by this time. We don't hear really any more stories of him, but you do the math you find out he is. Anyway, I know you sore long, or you really want to get back and see your dad. It's been a long time. You want to show your dad all his uh, grandchildren, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. But why did you steal my gods? And of course, Jacob didn't know anything about that, and he's going to explain it here. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid. Now, he's answering his first one I was afraid, for I said, Peradventure, thou wouldst take by force thy daughters from me. With whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. Notice how he said, let him not live." he never suspected his favorite wife stole that's right. And that's, that's what it says next. Before our brethren discerned uh, thou what is thine with me, and taken of thee, for Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, and to Leah's tent, and to the two men made service tents, but he found them not. Then went he out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the image and put them in the camel's furniture and sat on them and Laban searched all the tents and found them not. And she said unto her father, Let not it displease my Lord. I cannot rise before thee. For the custom of women upon me. And he searched and found out the images. And Jacob was robbed. Now listen. And Jacob was wroth. Now you, you figure it would be Laban this man. He goes through. <clears and> he <throat> you knows someone took all this stuff. He can't find it anywhere. Rachel hid it. And then lied about, about the way she hid it. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, But then... Jacob gets mad now. At first, Jacob's like, well, the reason why I stole away is because I was afraid I don't, I don't know what kind of power Laban had, but apparently he had a lot, of, a lot of influence. And he could have he could have forced Jacob to do some things. But Jacob was wroth and he choked with Laban. And Laban and Jacob brother answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin? That thou hast so highly pursued after me all of a sudden. Now that he's like, oh. Wait a minute, some of my party stole your gods? But then when he couldn't find them, all of a sudden he gets some boldness, right? Hey, what's my shit? What are you doing to Well, he did do something wrong because his wife did something wrong. His household did something wrong. So he was still guilty Mm -hmm. of theft. And he was guilty of a really bad theft because he stole idols. Mm -hmm. He's mad. Or as you searched all my stuff, what have you found all the household stuff? Yet see you before my brethren and thy brother that they may judge betwixt us both. This 20 years have I been with thee. Yeah, there it is, 20 years. He says it right out. 20 years I've been, been with thee, thy ewes and thy she goats have not cast their young and the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. That which was torn of beast I brought into thee, not unto thee. I bear the loss of it. Of my hand didst thou require, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was in the day, the truck. And he goes on and on and on. Verse 42 Except the God of my fathers, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God hath seen mine affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight. And it goes on to say they made covenant with each other. They made agreements and all this wonderful stuff. Jacob finally found his voice. But there's still something wrong here. There's still something wrong here, right? There's still idols in the stuff. There's still idols in his household. Now, we're not going to read these parts, but what happens after this is uh, Jacob's going along, and he knows the meeting, the imminent meeting with his brother is coming. And he's started to get scared again. And uh, he has another meeting with God. And he wrestles with the angel of the Lord all night long. And it changes him. He gets his name changed. And then he, he meets up with his brother. And they make peace with each other. And he keeps going on into the land after that. And everything seems good. And uh, we, we see that later... He meets up with Esau. and Jacob prays to the Lord in chapter 32, verse 9. It says, Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord, which said unto me, Return to thy country, to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all thy mercies, And all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I'm become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. But they finally meet. And everything goes well. He gets in the land. Some bad stuff happens to his daughter. His sons take revenge and even worse stuff. And um, But I want to look at chapter 35 here for a little bit. we still got lots of time. Everybody okay to hang out for a little while? Amen. In, verse, in chapter 35, verse 1, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar to God that... Appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. And Jacob said unto his household, All that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean and change your garments. Now, when Jacob first went to Bethel, he was running for his life. And he meets with God. In the intervening years, however long that was, some scholars still disagree with the year, even though it does plainly say 20. Some people think, well, that's from this time and whatever. It doesn't matter. The Bible said 20. So let's say at least 20. But since he left Laban, how many, how long has it been since then? We don't really know. But either way, we, we know it's been over 20 years.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And God visits him again
1: in a dream. And in other words, these are these are little
0: incidences that a lot of times we just don't retain in our memory. But Jacob had a lot of experiences with. Abraham had a lot of experiences with God. I believe Isaac did too. We just don't have a lot recorded with Isaac. A few, but not a lot. At least one, but not a lot. But you've got to think that Abraham must have told him all the stories. He must have told all those stories. That, uh, apparently, uh, <clears throat> Jacob and Esau must, must have only been probably about 15 uh, when their grandfather Abraham died, so they might not have known him for very long. But they must have heard all the stories from their dad. Right? But he met with God again. I mean, he says he said to his household, "Listen, we got to go back up to the house of God." The first thing he says is put away all these strange gods. Put away all these strange gods. We know out of First Samuel chapter 15 verse 23, we know that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, right? We, we know that verse. And that's the verse that also Samuel says to the king. The kingdom take taken away. Now, some people interpret that verse a little differently. Uh, some people try to tie in witchcraft and rebellion as the same thing. Uh, but understand uh, what Samuel is saying there. What Samuel is saying to a king, to King Saul, who is very diligent To stamp witchcraft out of the land. Everybody remember that? Mm -hmm. How Saul got rid of all that stuff. And out of all idol worship and all that stuff. Saul was very diligent to do that. At least at first, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, later when he wanted to talk to God. couldn't talk to God. He found a witch. So that he could somehow get some supernatural message. But it was hard for him to find anybody. Because he had already stamped it out of the land. So it was really hard to find any more of these people. He found one. Somehow he did, and uh, but so Saul wasn't into witchcraft. But what Samuel was telling him is, it's all the same. You think witchcraft's real bad? Rebellion's just as bad. You you think that uh, idolatry is real bad? Being stubborn against what God tells you is just as bad as witchcraft and idolatry. Mm-hmm. Now the reason why I'm bringing up that verse, is says the word idolatry used in First Samuel chapter fifteen. Verse 23 is the word teraphim. The same word that's being used for images in these passages. What I'm trying to bring out here is the power of God has visited Jacob. Jacob and and his family must have known and must have heard the stories. His wives and children must have heard the stories. His wives recognized the power of God in Jacob over their father. Laban... Had an experience with God. And he still wanted his idols. And Rachel, for whatever reason, wanted those idols. Because they she grew up with those idols in her home. That's what you did. That's how you served, right? This, is, this was normal family practice. To go set up a little corner of your house and have all these little statues and light candles to them or whatever they did. We don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm just making that up. But uh, there were times down through history that people didn't. Those kind of things. Anyway, this was this was family worship. This was something ingrained into their spirit. This is something that was put into them. And yes, it's wrong, but and you can even make excuses that maybe they didn't know it was wrong. Fine. Uh, even Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 howbeit not in every man is this knowledge. Well, what knowledge? That there's just one true God and one Savior, Jesus Christ. And he was talking about Christians. Not even all the Christians, not even all these Corinthian Christians coming out of paganism really fully realize there's only one true God. What they're realizing above all is there's one God that's more powerful than everybody else. That's a good place to start. Eventually God will let you know "There's, there's just me. And everybody else was made by me. And one of these dudes is a liar. A lot of these dudes are a liar. And they're going to try to tell you that they're gods. They're not gods. They're created by the only God. Right? Amen. But because we've been lied to so much, sometimes it's hard to get that out of our psyche, if you will. That's the reason why we need to put our souls, our suke, if you will, in the Greek, we need to put them under the altar. Amen. Praise God. He said to his household and all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you. Be clean and change your garments and let us rise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went, and they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak, which was by Shechem. Finally, finally, at the end of all this, he's finally hiding himself the right way. <laughs> He's finally putting things away. He's burying it away so as not to return to it. And they journey. Now you remember, Shechem was not a place that he was probably very well. Why? Well, because they were camped out near Shechem when the king's son, who was also named Shechem, saw Dinah and said, ooh, she's cute. I'd like to have her and some really bad things happened and Simeon and Levi went in there and they killed every man of that town later years Jacob said you are instruments of cruelty even their own father said you did some wicked wicked actions there that day Um, Simeon was not a prominent tribe in fact his land was encroached about by Judah the tribe of Judah and Levi had no inheritance in the land Uh, I'm sorry uh, did I say Levi? yeah Levi had no inheritance in the land Later, Levi redeemed himself when he stood up for the Lord when the rest of the crowd was going after the golden calf. Everybody remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Levi was redeemed. Yeah. But these two boys, Levi and Simeon, they, 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 you know, Jacob didn't even have anything good to say about him at the end of his life. It was bad. and He, he looked at his sons and said, You have made me to stink in the nostrils of the inhabitants of the land. And that was right there at Shechem. Now, there's other Jewish historical sources that are not trustworthy because it's not Bible that mentions how Jacob and his sons went into a full warfare against the inhabitants of the land. God was with them, and they won. And there's only one hint about that in all of the Bible, and that's this next verse here, verse 5. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. But what I'm saying is Jacob went all the way back to Shechem, and he hid those idols there. A place that he was not welcome. By the way. He would not have been welcome in that land. He went back. He put them away in a place that it would have been very difficult for any of his family to go back and get that. In other words, he was putting them away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that nobody could get at them anymore. He realized this is bad stuff. It needed to be gotten out of my house. Uh, and, and, and I, we know that Jacob didn't know Rachel took it, but somewhere along the way Jacob found out there's idols in my home. How do we know? Because when God said you need to get up to the house of God, what did Jake, if you look, God didn't even say get rid of all this bad stuff. That's what Jacob said. He looked at his house and said, we're going up to God's house. Okay, let's get rid of all of it. Come on, pass it up. Come on, pass it up. He went and buried it in an un retrievable place. You we went up, and if you, you can read the story on your own about uh, Jacob building an altar. We won't go into that right now. But some awesome things are happening. And it says here at the end, and they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. They won. In other words. I'm going to end with this one. First John, chapter 5. First John, chapter 5, verse 21. The very last cha- uh, verse of this particular letter that uh, John the Apostle wrote. He said, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. That's the last thing he said, except for amen, of course. But the last thing he said in this letter... He never really mentioned much. He did mention a little bit about idolatry early in the chapter, uh, in the letter, but he didn't mention a whole lot. I mean, we're not talking about a people who are wholly given to idolatry.
1: Mm-hmm. We're, we're
0: not, John's not, I, I believe this is my heart. I, I believe John is not talking to like a group of Corinthians who grew up in paganism, who in a lot of ways, didn't know the difference. They had to be told not to go eat meat, sacrificed to idols. They had to be told not to go up to the temple prostitutes. They had to be told just stuff that seems to be obvious to us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They had to be told this stuff outright. Paul, Paul had to say, listen, get that guy out of the church. Because now that he knows better, we're not allowing this stuff to go on anymore. John's not talking of. I believe the way his letter goes to these people, he's talking to mature people in Christ. He's talking to people that know the word of God. Mm -hmm. He's talking to people that have a good knowledge of the word and experience with with Christ. He's probably talking primarily to Jewish people that were raised with the word of God who have been converted and probably been converted for years now. They not only have the word, but they have the spirit. And at the end of all this, he says, little children, Keep yourself from idols. So I'm ending off of that by saying, you know what? We can know God's the biggest and the best. Mm -hmm. Right? We can know that God is really the one true God. Mm -hmm. We can know that God is really our healer. Mm -hmm. We can know that God is really our Savior. And He's really Mm -hmm. our provider. And yet we can still go out and pursue other things and put them in front of God. To the point where a prophet had to come along to a king and say the stubbornness that you have is as wicked as idolatry. Showing us two things. Idolatry is really bad and Saul already knew that. But those of us in this day that understand stubbornness uh, against the face of God is compared to worship of false gods. Now so we have to get the opposite message of Saul. Saul knew idolatry was bad. Right? Right? We know stubbornness Mm is bad. Right. At least we should. If you read your Bible any much, Mm -hmm. okay, you should know it's bad. Mm -hmm. It's bad to reject God. It's bad to resist the Spirit. It's bad to quench the Spirit. It's bad to despise prophesying. It's bad to not listen to God and obey. That's bad. Come on, we ought to know that, But sometimes we don't understand that. When God doesn't work things out the way we want them to, we don't seem to understand that we shouldn't just go out and try to do it on our own. Mm -hmm. Well, if God's not giving me enough money to get uh, whatever it is I want to get, then I'll just go take a second job and just get more money and get it anyway. I heard a preacher tell me that one day. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. This is a preacher now. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Some of you might know who I'm talking about. But a preacher told me, well... Yeah, I I think that probably God doesn't want me to have the job I have, but the reason why I have is because if there's something I want, well, I'll just go out and get it. He told me that to my face. Well, I have a job because there's things I want. I want the latest iPhone, and I like getting brand new guitars every couple of years. I like guitars too, okay? Uh, I've had this one for a long time, okay? I bought another one a few years ago. And I don't play it a whole lot, but I I like it. But basically, I'm just like, I ain't buying any more guitars. I don't need them. Mm -hmm. You can only play one at a time anyway, right? Right. So yeah, I like guitars too, but I don't feel like I have to have a new one every six months. right? You know? If God allows you to have something, have it. But Mm -hmm. if you have this idea, I'm just going to go make it on my own. God don't heal me quick enough, then I'm just going to go do this. This is not a guilt trip, folks. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, the same God that gives this message is the same God that gave the message of hope at the beginning of the service. Amen. Amen. In fact, why don't we just look at that again. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. I know some of you are looking at your clock and saying, Oh my goodness, miracle is happy. He's letting us go
1: for prayer. <laughs> oh, you know better than that.
0: <laughs> for the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed, hope, and glorious appearing in the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Zealous of good works.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's stand
0: again. Some of you may be asking a question, well, or maybe you're not asking a question, maybe you're just making a statement. There's no idols in my life. Stop fooling yourself. Okay. Well, stop lying to yourself. And, better, and more, better yet, stop letting the devil lie to you. Mm-hmm. God doesn't tell anything to us to give us shame.
1: Right.
0: He doesn't tell anything to us to manipulate us. Right. He doesn't tell things to us to cause us to fear unless he wants more fear of the Lord, which is reverent awe for him. Mm. He's not cowing us. What he's saying is, I want to get close to you there's something in my way so some of you might be asking well what could possibly be my idol I don't worship little statues some of you might be saying there are no idols in my life we need to ask we would have wasted an hour talking to you if we weren't going to do something about it and I was going over Psalm 23 today and it says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. You know what that means? He doesn't just take, the word pasture refers to a feeding ground. Okay? We could just say field,
1: green field, basic green pasture. Because the word pasture refers to a place where
0: you eat. So sheep, I don't know if you know anything about sheep, but they don't eat sitting down. They eat standing up. Mm -hmm. They they graze around, they walk around, and they graze, right? Mm -hmm. They stand up while they eat. They don't lay down when they eat. What do they do when they're laying down? They regurgitate that stuff out of their first stomach. They chew on it. You know what it's saying there? He doesn't just lead us to where the good food is. He gives us space to think about it. To meditate upon it. That's what meditate means in the Hebrew. The word that we often, most often get translated meditate, it literally means to chew the cud. We're not talking about this transcendentalist new age garbage where you empty your mind. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what has been put into you by the word. You bring back up and you start chewing on it again. Amen. 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 So it can really become a part of you. That's what God does. We would have wasted an hour of your life if you're not going to Pray about it, meditate about it, regurgitate it, and start chewing on it. Mm -hmm. Okay, Lord God, if in your wisdom and your knowledge and your holiness, you've told me to watch for idols and to keep myself from idols, what idols are in my life? Not if, what? Mm. And help me to get rid of them, Lord God. Because I want to get up to Bethel. And I want to have victory over my enemies. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, give us space. Yes. Make us to lie down in green pastures. Yes, Jesus. Lead us by that beside the still waters, Lord God. As we worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord God, let these things come together and become alive in our hearts and minds and
1: spirits.
0: Lord God, give us space tonight. Before we go to bed. Tomorrow morning when under devotions, Tomorrow throughout the day. As we prepare to come back here and pray together. Lord, Jesus. Lord God. Work on us. Yes, Help Lord us to find Lord a Jesus. quiet space. To regurgitate. To meditate upon the word of God. To see where Jesus. and what and how. Because Lord God. I know. I believe that you're prophesying to us tonight. That there is a Bethel Lord. experience waiting Lord. for us. Yes Lord. There is an altar experience waiting for us. And, Lord God, I don't want to miss it. And I don't want your people to miss it. Help us, God, to get rid of everything that would be between us. No matter what it is. And I thank you for this. I thank you for the space. I thank you and receive it by faith that you're giving us space to meditate upon us. In the name of Jesus.
1: can we worship him before we leave tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, praise
0: thank you, praise you, Lord. thank you, Jesus. Praise your Lord.
1: thank you, Jesus.